from where we left off last week on a particular avenue. Last week we talked about Jesus' words, Lord teach us to pray. And this, this morning the name of this will be Lord teach me to pray. Have any of us prayed that this week? I'm not asking for any hands. But just to ask, Lord, teach me to pray. I pray that often. Well, you've been a Christian for 42 years. Why do you need to ask God to teach you to pray? Well, because it's something that we don't know naturally. We don't know naturally how to pray as we ought to. Book of Romans says in chapter 8. We don't know how to pray as we ought to. So we have to be taught. Lord, teach me to pray. And so, <clears throat> last week we talked about the boldness of Jonathan. And we applied that to our own boldness to take steps of faith in, in to take steps of faith in prayer. The book of James says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Who gives liberally all without liberally to all without uh, without any rebuke, without any chiding. He said, But let him ask in faith. Because if we waver in faith, he says we're like waves of the tossed about in the sea. He says we're unstable in all of our ways. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from God. So we understand that when we ask God, that it's he teaches us that we must pray in faith. It is an exercise of prayer is an exercise of faith. Of what we believe in our heart about the word of God that we've heard or not many people don't pray very much and the book of James says you ask not you receive not because you ask not and then it goes on to say you receive not because you ask with wrong motives, selfish motives, that you may consume it upon your nat your human nature. Selfish, misguided, carnal motivations. Very misguided. That's why we must examine ourselves. And we must listen to Jesus and come to Him and have Him show us and teach us in prayer. Jesus said, that the Holy Spirit, when He came to us, to teach us and guide us. And we desperately need Him to teach us and guide us in prayer. Lord, teach me to pray. So first we will go <clears throat> to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5.
But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's right. Praying for those who do evil to us. Praying for our enemies. What do we pray for for our enemies? Well, we have to look at our enemies. If we're following the Lord... And we're walking in Christ, and people are persecuting us, and using us, and treating us wrongfully, you see that they're not walking with God. They may profess Christ, or maybe they don't. Maybe they're an unbeliever. We look to their need, and we pray for their well-being. In chapter 6, we will now read verses 5 to 18. Chapter 6 of Matthew, verses 5 to 18. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Mm -hmm. So we see that Jesus is teaching us to pray. In, his, in the four accounts of the gospel, in different places, he's teaching his disciples, including us, you know, what prayer is about, and how, who, who we should pray for, how we should pray, what, what the condition of our heart is, and we, we need to take notice of these things, you know, because he's teaching us things about, you know, how to have a, 
a victorious, successful, living, abiding prayer life. And here he talks about going... You know, I grew up where there was a lot of loud prayers in the church and, you know, singing the prayers real loud and, you know, you know, and it was just like this big ceremonious thing. And, you know, it was a big show. It was a big show. The prayer was a big show. A big, a big show for man. And Jesus said, this is not what prayer is meant to be. Now, that doesn't mean uh, there's no such thing as praying together as a group, like we read in the book of Acts, and is taught to us by Jesus, the prayer of agreement, where, where two or three, where two, two or more agree concerning anything that uh, they shall ask, it'll be done by my Father in heaven. He's teaching us there the prayer of agreement. He's teaching us something else about prayer, praying together, the power that's in it. And it should be practiced by Christians. And there's great power and encouragement in that. But this is, it's not meant to be a show when you come together as a church to pray. That's not, it's all about, well, yes, we pray out loud when we pray together, but it's not meant to be a show where we're doing it, look at me how spiritual I am. It's a matter of the heart. And he says when you pray, he says you go into your secret place, your closet or wherever that is. And he says, shut the door, pray to your Father in a secret place. Secret prayer. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Do you hear that? These are the words of Jesus. That prayer has a reward. Effective, fervent prayer shall produce much, it says in the book of James. Praying effectively in that secret place, exercising faith in prayer. It has a reward. It's not my word, that's what Jesus says. Now, we can say, well, I've been praying for some, I haven't seen anything happen. Or so-and-so has been praying for their kids, or praying for this or that, and nothing's happening. Well, the only thing I can say to you is, just hang in there, and watch for a while. However long it takes. Because God's timing is never off. But one of the things he's waiting for is for us to continue in prayer and to, and to not give up and exercise our faith in prayer. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, Jesus gives us a parable. And Jesus gave them a parable that they should pray always and not give up. Because sometimes it takes time. And he bears long with us until he's ready. And when he's ready, he says it'll happen speedily. Like the bowling pins getting knocked down. It's going to happen when he's ready. Then why isn't he ready? Ask him. I'm not God. I don't have the answer to that. There are reasons. Some of them he gives us, some of them he doesn't. But we know that he is God and we're not. And we should honor and respect that. And he will reward us openly. It should not be vain repetitions, form prayers. You see that Jesus gives us a prayer, a model prayer. The whole time I was growing up in the church, we used to pray this prayer over and over again. 
Turn that, turn our Father into a vain repetition. Because you thought that because you said it over and over again, God was going to hear you. Because you kept on saying the same prayer over and over again. Our Father, who art in heaven, I'll be thy name. And you just say it real fast like that. Our Father, who art in heaven, I'll be thy name. Thy kingdom come, that will be that fast. We were deceived into believing that because we said it over and over again, that because of that, God's going to hear us. Now that doesn't mean we should not continue praying for the same things every day but not in vain repetition, praying from our hearts. It's real communication with God and real pleading with God, not because we're much speaking, because we're saying it over and over again. And Jesus says that the Father already knows the things that we're going to ask. Well, then why does he need us to ask? Again, the thing that we learn from Jesus and his disciples is prayer is an exercise of faith. We must exercise our faith in prayer. And God commands it. When you pray, do it this way. Ask and you shall receive. That's a command. Not a suggestion. It's a command. This is the way it works. Ask. And you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Teaching us to pray. In faith. And then he gives us this Our Father, and many powerful and long sermons have been taught on this, and I'm not going to go through it in great detail, but just a few observations on this model prayer, not something that we should just repeat over and over and over again vainly. But what's in this prayer, you see it begins with worship. And the Son of God worships the Father. And Jesus says in John chapter 4 that we should come to him in spirit and in truth for such does the Father desire to worship him. God desires us to worship him. And the prayer starts out in worship and respect and honor to his name. Holy is your name. Our Father. Recognizing he is our Father. We become his children. As many as receive Christ to them does he give the power to become the children of God. We are not born the children of God. We must become the children of God. We must cross over from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Through faith in Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus. Your kingdom will come. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how do we know that? It is a respect to the things that we read in His Word, the things that we've heard from the Word of God. It is, this is an expression of faith also about what God has said in His Word. Not just these things, but everything that God says in His Word. A prayer to God must have respect and honor to the things that God has declared in His Word. Your kingdom's coming. Your will is going to be done, and a recognition of His will. Here on earth and in heaven, a recognition of the authority of God. When we come to Him, there must be this great respect and honor toward God. There are people that are afraid but are, still, but are angry toward God. But in times of need and crisis, they do call out to God. 
out of desperation. And they should. But we also must come to Him on His terms. And then He talks about our daily needs, our daily bread. The things that we need. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all things you need will be given to you. Jesus said. We look to Him as our provider. And then we look to Him for our forgiveness. To have our conscience cleared of the burden of sin. Through the blood of Jesus, His Son. And we should forgive others who have sinned against us. From long past to recent past. And everything in between. Well, they don't deserve it. That's okay, we don't deserve it either. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We need a change of heart. And that's what conversion is all about. God changing us. Changing us on the inside. And giving us the ability to love even our enemies and to pray for them. And to forgive those who've wronged us and done evil things to us. Defiling things to us. To be able to forgive them from our hearts. For real. Not just words, for real. Real forgiveness. And it's an understanding God's grace towards us in forgiving us that we are able to exercise that grace towards others. A change of heart in prayer. Be able to pray for those who have wronged us. To be able to walk in a holy life. Do not lead us in temptation. The Holy Spirit leads us into a holy life. And empowers us to do so. He empowers us. The Spirit of God is a Holy Spirit. And when He lives inside of us, He empowers us to holiness. And deliver us from our enemy, the devil, the evil one. And He will. He is able to deliver us. I give you power and authority over snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the evil one. We have power and authority over the evil one through Christ. But we recognize that and we call on the Lord to, to walk in this power. You see that. And then he talks about fasting right after prayer. Because they go together. Prayer and fasting go together. When Jesus was asked by his disciples, who had cast out demons before, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And he says, it's because of your unbelief. But this kind goes not out but except by prayer and fasting. Of course, when we fast, it's, it opens us up to prayer in, in special ways. If you've never experienced that, Jesus said in another place, when he was asked why his disciples weren't fasting, he said, my disciples will fast. If we are a follower of Christ, his spirit is drawing us into times of fasting. And there's different ways with different medical conditions and different things, but a call to prayer and fasting together. That empowerment that comes from fasting and prayer but corporately and individually. It gives us 
great uh, focus and concentration. I take a minute to talk about this. We live in a land that still has a lot of abundance. And I remember a preacher one time saying, why don't we fast in this country the way we, uh, they do in other countries? Like they, he'd gone to, in missionary things, he saw people praying and fasting and serious fasting. And he says, well, we like our food. It tastes pretty good. It appeals to the flesh. And it really comes back to our human nature. Whether we're just going to keep on appeasing our human nature and just spoil it. There's another word for it. Just Jesus talked about overindulgence. He says, he tells us to watch and pray. He says that if you are caught up in the cares of this life, and overindulgence and all these other different things, he said, that's he's, the day of his coming will come upon you like a snare, like a trap. Watch and pray. That you may always be found worthy to escape these things that are coming upon the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. We read that a few weeks ago. And this preacher said when he was in Africa, he said, the missionaries that came over, they didn't like the fast, but when they went over to Africa with them, he said, boy, he said, you eat that food that's real hot and spicy and, and, and burns going down, he says, the food doesn't taste that good, it's not that good over there, it doesn't appeal to the human nature as much. He says, they fast over there, it's a lot easier to fast when the food doesn't taste so good, it doesn't appeal to the flesh as much. Human nature. Fasting and disciplining our bodies, Paul said. I beat my body into subjection and make it my servant, my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself do not become a castaway. He saw a personal responsibility, even as an apostle. He wasn't above this. He talked about being in fastings often. Fasting for what? To pray. To pray victoriously and in faith. To discipline the body so that you can pray in a way that is effective and fervent. They will go together. They do. And I encourage all of us to seek God in prayer and fasting. It doesn't have to be extreme. It can be according to our faith. To the measure of faith that we have at this point. And let our faith grow. And I can tell you that if you want to pray the prayer of faith and you're struggling, pray and fast together. Fast and pray together. You will see it. And God will reward us in that. Just as He says He will reward us in praying in secret, if we're praying in secret and fasting, there's a reward for that also. But it's painful. My stomach hurts when I fast. I don't feel real strong when I do it. I don't like the way it feels. Brothers and sisters, crucifixion is painful. There's no other way to say it. Denying ourselves causes pain to our human nature. So I don't like it. What do we want? Do we want to hear what Jesus is saying? Do we want 
to be successful and growing and mature and in our faith and in our prayer life. There's power in this. When Jesus talked about self-denial, the Apostle Paul talked about beating his body into subjection and making it his servant. What do you think he was talking about? Not just let, not just indulging in the pleasures of this life. I remember when I was a kid, they used to have beer commercial. They probably, they probably, I don't know if they still have this, but the beer commercial that says, you only go around once life, so go for the gusto. Live life to its fullest because you only go around once. It's only one life. What a lie. What a lie. Might as well indulge in all you can because there's only one life. It goes against everything the Word of God is saying. Everything that God has declared. It is appointed for man once to die, and after that, the judgment. There's eternal life. It's just a matter of where we're going to spend it. But if we fast in secret, there's great reward for it. We will be rewarded for it. Okay. Not if we fast as a great show, and I, again, saw that as a kid, too. Great hypocrisy in, in prayer and fasting. We call on the Lord from a, from a pure heart, the Bible says. If we call on the Lord from a pure heart. Right motives. And we need our heart to be changed. We need to be converted and become like little children, like Jesus said. We need God to change us on the inside for all this to happen. Now, I don't feel, I, I can't, I try to, I can't do it. We need God's help. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need Him to show us, to teach us, and guide us. This is not meant to be a solo excursion, a solo trip, a solo walk. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus Himself. The Holy Spirit sent from Him. He said, I will pray to the Father, and He will give the Holy Spirit to His disciples. He will pray. Jesus prayed to the Father. He was not beyond praying, even though He was God the Son. He prayed to the Father. The Father who is in the secret place, place where we are. We meet Him in secret. It says... But to your, but to your father who sees who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He's there with us when we're praying. He's in that secret place with us. That's not the only place he is, but he's there with us. And when we come to him in these secret places, there's great reward in that. Again, these are the words of Jesus, not my words. Now some have said to me, I prayed and, and fasted and nothing happened. Well, if you put the, <clears throat> the stopwatch on God, good luck. Because He is not working according to our timetable. He's in a completely different dimension. Let us be encouraged to continue and not give up like the parable of Jesus. Chapter 9 of Matthew, verses 35 to 38. 
Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. As Jesus is ministering, he sees something. He saw them and he was moved with compassion because they were sheep without a shepherd. They're like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion for them because he saw great need all around him. If you are walking with Jesus, you're going to see it. God is going to open your heart to everything around you. You know, when we're wrapped up in our own little world, sometimes we're really not really open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's kind of like we have the blinders on. You know, it's just... We're just wrapped up in our own little world, you know? But, you know, as we walk with the Lord and we communicate with the Lord, the Lord communicates with us, and He stirs up something in us, compassion for people around us. Look at all the children who have never heard about Christ, all in our society. There are adult children and adults are suffering, scars and wounds, and many things. And he says, pray. Pray for God to meet that need. Laborers in the harvest. Lord, send me. Lord, send others to help with me. Lord, meet those great needs. Pray the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is plentiful. We see many people in need and hurting and in pain and suffering. We see, and God puts compassion in our hearts for a reason and moves us for a reason. And the reason is to pray. This is what he taught his disciples. Pray for God to meet that need. Not just, use me, Lord. Here I am, send me, says the prophet. I think it might have been Isaiah. You know, here I am, Lord, send me. Send others, too. Meet the need of the, of the brokenhearted. If we're listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. He opens our heart and our minds to those around us. If we're not listening, we're not going to see it. He's going to show us and we're going to be blinded because we're wrapped up in our own little world. Oh, i got all these problems in my own little world. Yes, we all do. And some of them are very, very difficult and very troubling. But as God teaches us to pray, He doesn't just teaching us to pray about our own little world. He teaches us to pray 
for those around us in our little world. So he brings into our path. He brings to our house. He brings to our job. To work with us or something else. It's a very troubled world. He's teaching us to pray. The next one is in chapter 14 of Matthew. And just verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Mm -hmm. This is after he fed the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes. He sent them all away. And he went up by himself. It says, in a mountain by himself to pray. Alone. There are no mountains in our backyard for most of us. I don't know about you, but there's no mountain look at my backyard but you see the place of seclusion a secret place and he goes on in uh, in the gospel of mark chapter 1 verse 35 as we go there it says something similar Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Mm -hmm. You could read verses 36 and 37 also. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach That's there good. also. Yes. That's right. Um, you see, he had done a lot of miracles, and then he went up in the mountain to pray. And he knew people would be looking for him. I mean, somebody's casting out demons and, and healing the sick, and all he was doing, raising the dead, and all these other things. You know you're going to draw a crowd. And there is a time for everything under the sun. There's a time for the work of God, but there's a time to seek God. And you see that in the life of Jesus. And he teaches us this by the way he lives. You see this going away from everybody, going away from your job, going away from your family, going away from you know your the ministry. Oh, but all these people need help. Yes, they do. Was Jesus unkind? He said, everybody's looking for you. Peter said, we're hunting for you. Everybody's looking for you. Yeah, I know. He knew that. He already knew that. But he knew that there was something in the, uh, 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 very important that he had to do. He had to have his heart in the right place. He had to have communication with the Father. He put it as a priority. And you see here, 
It says in verse 35, Now in the morning have risen a long while before daylight. Uh-oh. Getting up early. For daylight. Now this is not a command. This is an observation. But it is also showing us the discipline that he had over his body to be able to pray, to get up early to pray. And a lot of times he says he prayed all night. We see in Jesus he had power and authority over his body. Now whether it's morning, noon, or night, the important thing is that we have the discipline and take the time to be in that secret place and not make excuses or indulgences for that. Because we do. Because we listen to our bodies. And that's why Paul said he had to discipline his body and make it his slave. And fasting, yes. But also, and not just indulging in everything that the body wants to do. Which would our body rather do? Sit down in front of a TV and, and watch a sporting event? Or entertainment? Or pray. Which would our body rather do? Eat all that yummy food that we want? Or fast? You make the decision. You answer that question. Which would our body rather do? Uh, get away from things and be alone? Or just be lazy and just hang out and just do whatever we feel like? Look, we just go on and on this day. You know what I'm getting at. What would we rather do? Look at things that are inappropriate? things that are pure and holy. Which would our body rather do? It just goes on and on. You, can, you just get the drift of what the Word of God is saying. In Luke 5, verses 15 and 16, uh, you don't have to go there, I'll just go there and read that. It's because it's saying the same thing. Let me just find it quickly. However, the report went out around concerning him, and all the more, and great multitudes came to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmity. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. You see? The crowds were looking for him all the time and demanding, and of course they want to hear him preach. They want to, they want to be healed. They want to be fed by the loaves and the fishes. They want it all. He withdrew from them. There's a time of withdrawal from our all responsibilities and all need and, and get alone to be with the Lord. We must, Jesus is teaching us something by His practice, the way He's living. The Bible says that we should walk in Jesus' footsteps and live like Him. 
Well, look at it then. Look at how he's living. Look at the way he's walking. Whatever you ask in prayer, believing, Jesus said, you shall receive. Matthew 21 and Mark chapter 11. Have faith in prayer, Jesus said. Have faith in God. Whatsoever you things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive them, and you shall have them. A necessary ingredient in prayer for it to be successful is believing that there's a reward when we seek Him. As it says in Hebrews 11. We must believe, in order to please God, we must believe He will reward us for seeking Him. But that's where the problem comes in. Are we believing these things in the Word of God? In, when we come to Him in exercise. This is an exercise of faith. Prayer is an exercise of faith. But if we have no faith, our prayers will be weak and they will produce very little. Maybe nothing. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man produces much. I don't feel fervent in prayer. I don't feel like praying. Ah, feelings of the human nature. Be careful. That's a clear indication that our flesh is strong in us. There's strength there in our flesh. And our flesh is ruling over us. We must subdue our flesh and make it our slave. Otherwise, our flesh will rule over us. And the enemy will have influence over us. Jesus talked about the religious of his time. He said that, he says you devour widows' houses. You take, the, take away houses from widows, you know, in their poverty, you know, and you, 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 you have no compassion for them. And he says, but then you make a long prayer, you know. Hypocrisy in prayer. Prayer, again, we call on the Lord out of the pure heart. Unselfishness. God's will, not our will. Thy will be done. Not our will, but God's will. So, in Matthew chapter 26, we see a very intense time for Jesus when He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and He comes to pray to the Father. So we would turn to Matthew chapter 26. Beginning in verse 34. I'm sorry, 36 to 44. You could read that, Dave. <clears throat> 
Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. He said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Mm -hmm. Jesus repeated the prayer three times here. But it was not a vain repetition, as I made the point earlier. This was from his heart, and it was real. You can see, he was, says in verse 37, he was sorrowful and deeply distressed. He knew his execution was coming. A great suffering and execution. He was about to take a beating and, and, and be executed on a, on, a, on a cross with great torture. And there are times in our life that we may come to serious places, not necessarily to this place, but whatever the case may be, whatever God allows in our life. But you see the trust even at a time like this. He said he knew that he, for this reason he came to the earth. He said, what shall I say, Father, that you should save me from this hour? He said, but for this hour I was, I was born. I came here for this reason, he said earlier in a prayer to the Father. He knew it was his Father's will, but he was struggling with it. And so he prayed in great distress. In the, in the book of John, in the same account, it says he was sweating so heavily, it was like great drops of blood coming down. Was, the sweat was so heavy. When you're sweating, not because you're hot, profusely like that, sweating that heavily, you know that you're in great distress. You know you're, you know, that, that you're very deeply distressed. But he says, not my will, Father, but your will be done. And there are certain things that are within the will of the Father. We read it in His Word. And we should not pray against those things. But He says, not as I will, Father, but as you will. And so He comes back to His disciples and they're sleeping. And He challenges them. Can't you pray with me one hour? Watch and pray. Lest you enter temptation. And they did. They fell into temptation. 
Peter said he would never deny Jesus, and yet he denied him not once, not twice, but three times. He fell into temptation. Why? He wasn't prepared. He wasn't ready. Part of preparing ourselves spiritually is in, is in prayer. Why are we getting beat up sometimes? We're not ready for it. We're not ready for the attacks of the enemy. We're not ready for the things that are happening in our life. And we fall apart and the wheels fall off the wagon, so to speak. We're not ready for it. Watch and pray. Jesus said, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, we want to pray. But we're not praying. Why? Why weren't his disciples praying? They're giving into the flesh. That's why Paul said, I discipline my body and make it my slave. Not in his own power, but in the power of the Spirit that God gives us. He puts it in our heart to do that. But are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Are we listening to our own desires and wants of our flesh? I don't feel like it. Uh, you know... I'd rather be doing this or that. Discipline. Disciplining our body does not mean killing it. it does not mean uh, getting, you know, harming ourselves. Discipline is discipline for a purpose. And yes, it's painful. doesn't feel good, it feels uncomfortable, but it's necessary. And again, like I said, we're not just talking about fasting, we're talking about self-denial, <coughs> denying ourselves this because this is more important, this is more of a priority. Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter temptation. Spirit is willing. I mean, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need to deal with our flesh. We need to do something about that. Not let it maneuver and control us. It's got to be the other way around. In the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 22, Jesus says about, he says to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. There's a twofold message in there. Jesus is praying for us. And we should take heart in that. It says it in Romans chapter 8 that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, always making intercession for us. And it's an example to us to pray for one another, to be concerned about what's going on in each other's lives, and to pray for each other. And again, we can be lazy about that too. 
Oh, uh, they don't need to be prayed for. They're they're strong spiritually. The apostle Paul said, "And pray for me, that I may speak the word of God as I ought to." Ought to. He he often requested prayer. Pray for us. Often. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Pray for each other to be strong in faith, to grow in faith, to be what God wants us to be, to mature, and to be, and to stir one another up to love and good works. Seek ways to stir one another up to love and to good works. In prayer, seek God in prayer for the welfare of each of us. Very challenging, isn't it? That's what Jesus did. Now you know what he was doing all night. When he was praying all night. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for himself. He's praying for needs. He's praying for God to send hard labors into the field. It just goes on and on. Everything we've been reading about. Praying, praying, praying. There's one that I'm looking for and I can't find here. Give me a second to find here it is. Uh, Matthew chapter 21. And um, I think this will be my last one here. Yeah, wow, well, I didn't realize how far we got. Chapter 21, this will be uh, Matthew 21. This will be the last one I have. Uh, your brother's chance to comment on this. <clears throat> Matthew 21, 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. A house of prayer. The temple. A house of prayer. This is right after Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and he does this. He goes in and cleanses the temple. That temple is supposed to be a house of prayer. And he said, but and he said to the people there, he goes, You've turned it into a den of thieves. They're ripping the people off. All these things they were doing in the temple of God. He said, Well, that's terrible they were doing that. There is no temple in Jerusalem anymore. The temple of God is us. The Bible says those of us who are in Christ, he says, know you not that you are the temple of God and Christ is in you? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit and Christ is in you? Therefore honor God in your body. Yes. We who are in Christ are the our house is the our bodies are the temple of God, and so we should honor God in our bodies, live a holy life, but also remember God's house is a house of prayer, not corruption. 
cleansed all corruption. Let us cleanse ourselves from all, all things that defile flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That starts on the inside, coming to Christ and having Him cleanse us on the inside, and then to walk in. Walk in the new man that's created after God in righteousness and true holiness. It's all there for us to walk in His way and to be a house of prayer, each of us, to be a, a lighthouse of prayer. Life of prayer. Well, that's not real appealing to certain parts of me. That's right. Spending time in prayer. That's right. It's not appealing to certain elements of our nature, our human nature. But we've also been given the nature of God. So we have a decision to make that how shall we live? Lord, teach me to pray.